Hello and welcome to the Find Your Flow radio show podcast. I'm your host, Winston Wittis, and I'm here today with a very special episode. Today's episode is How to Be an Entrepreneur. How to Be an Entrepreneur is a very popular topic this day and age, which is kind of cool. It's kind of cool. It's also kind of an interesting thing. Um, it's interesting because there are schools that are geared toward teaching people to be entrepreneurs. They're like business schools, but not business schools, or maybe they are. I don't know. I didn't go to one, and I don't know anybody yet that I know of that has gone to one, but I do know of people that are wanting to be entrepreneurs. They are, and when I say this, um, I guess, I know a lot of people that are doing that. Actually, those are primarily my clients, my students, now that I think about it in that way. But um, more what I'll think about is younger people that are coming up out of high school. And instead of saying like, hey, I want to, you know, go to school to learn to be, you know, a doctor or uh, this or that. And, of course, there's still plenty of people saying that. But I feel like in the recent years, there's been definitely more people that see entrepreneur being an entrepreneur as a career choice and i think that again i think it's i just find it interesting why because um the the word entrepreneur comes from i believe it's france i believe it's a french word don't quote me on this you can look it up but uh entre is before and preneur is to go i think <laughs> I'm just halfway making this stuff up, but it's it's based somewhat in reality. Um, to go before, right? The the force or the team, it, you know, it's kind of a, a war type, um, military type um, term, I believe. But the people that go before the rest, so that way they can scope out the lay of the land and see things coming down the pike and uh, be able to, you know, take advantage of that. And so somebody who's an entrepreneur in uh you know we use it here primarily in terms of business people in the United States that person that is building a business or a company that is before the curve uh before it's an established industry maybe before it's an established business that person is solving a problem and creating a business around a service uh or a product and so it's interesting to me because I, I've been an entrepreneur pretty much my whole life in the sense that I've always, even since I was young, and my brother and I both, um, we'd always start little businesses. We'd go around and like when it rained, I remember one time when we were kids, we went around to the neighbor's houses and said we, you know, we had this snail picking business because, you know, snails we discovered – eat plants and people who have like pretty plants don't want snails in their garden. So we would go to their house and say, Hey, you know, we'll pick all these snails off your flowers for you. Um, you know, a quarter of snail or a nickel of snail. I don't remember what we charge, but I remember this one house, um, you know, we worked out some kind of deal like that and we, you know, the people were kind of just like, Oh, okay. That's, you know, like, I think they were just amused more than anything. Like, okay, some random kids, neighbor kids come around, to pick snails off our flower, sure, yeah, we'll give you a nickel piece or a quarter piece or whatever, and we come back with bags full of snails, and they're just like, holy 
heck, like, you know, they were not budgeting for the kind of uh, entrepreneurs that we were. And so they they kind of budgeted, bargained with us, like, hey, here's five bucks, you know, let's call it a day. And, uh, you know, I think we were just stoked to make any money, so um, so it worked. So that was one business. We used to also make necklaces and bracelets out of yarn and string and stuff, and we'd sell those in front of the house, and then we would sell art. We'd do artwork and sell that, and then we got into, of course, the lemonade stand, the tried and true lemonade stand. And so we would always be doing some kind of hustle. Uh, candy was a big thing. My brother really racked it up at school with uh, a candy, <laughs> a candy hustle. And um, then I had this uh, pretty good um, tripop, uh, you know, hustle going for a while where you take a, right. And I and I actually swiped this from another student. She was actually kind of crushing it, and I kind of encroached upon her candy territory. But she had a great idea. And I um, I took it a step further. What she did was she had a lollipop. It was one of those um, dum-dums or whatever. It's got this stuff in the middle. And then she would take Jolly Ranchers and melt, melt a Jolly Rancher onto the sucker. And I thought that was freaking brilliant. So what did I do? I took multiple Jolly Ranchers. They have those like flat strip type ones. And I would break them into a few pieces. And then I put like three flavors and melt three flavors on one. So it's a tripod. Little market differentiation, trying to hit a niche. You know, there's people that want more flavors, and so that's that's been kind of my, you know, growing up, right? Um, point being, nobody taught me to do that, and other people who I know who are successful entrepreneurs all have similar stories. You know, they used to do this or sell that, or my one friend Christine, um, and she she's on an interview on the podcast here. Check check out that interview, Christine McDaniel. Um, or go to finderflow.com forward slash co-living, C-O-L-I-V-I-N-G, no hyphens or anything or spaces, um, finderflow.com forward slash co-living, C-O-L-I-V-I-N-G, with Christine McDaniel. And she um, she, she didn't share that story, but uh, I just remember from something else I read first where she had some story about like some mud mask she made and went around and sold to neighbors wearing <laughs> crazy mud. Um but anyway, like entrepreneurs do these kind of things. So I think to talk about like, hey, I'm going to go to a school to learn how to be an entrepreneur, it, it's almost kind of um, an idiosyncrasy or not idiosyncrasy. What's the other idio word? Um, it's kind of contradictory. Like, you know, it's like you to go to school to learn to do something that is before the thing that it, you're, that you're trying to do. How do you do that? That doesn't even make sense, right? Um, now, people go to business school all the time, and I, I'm not dissing people that do this by any means. I want to point that out. I just am saying um, it's an interesting thing to me. And so I try to imagine, like, okay, what do they do? What do they teach you? What kind of skills do I wish I had learned earlier or that I'm still learning that I wish I already knew um, as an entrepreneur? And one of those things, I guess, is um, – you know, just how to organize my time, how to get figure out what is the money-making part. What is the money-making part? As I see, um, as I see students, new business owners, new entrepreneurs, trying to be entrepreneurs, want to be entrepreneurs, people who are 
coming from a background of never having built their own business or work for themselves, for the most part. Some of them have, some of them have been very successful, but I'm just saying kind of generalizations here. Um, by and large, one thing that I see time and time again is that they don't, they can't tell what are the things that they should be doing that will actually make them money. And that, if you don't figure that out relatively quickly, you're not going to be in business very long. And one thing that I think is interesting with like a business school is that sometimes these people, and again, this is just from hearsay, okay? I'm not dissing anyone in particular or anything like that. Just from hearsay is that some of these people that are teaching these courses have never done the thing that they're teaching. And that that's not always an issue, I don't think. You know, it depends. It depends on what, what that thing is and if they're doing similar things or if they are have been successful with elements of it and so they're teaching that element and how it might apply to other things. Like, I think there's value in that. I really do. And so I'm not dissing that. And, you know, people can look at what I'm doing. And I did have people look at what I'm doing. My uncle, for instance. Um, but And other people say, like, well, have you done that? Have you done that? It's like, well, I've done uh, – I'm not – I haven't done – parts of what I'm teaching, but that's not the part that I'm getting paid to teach in a sense, right? The parts I'm getting paid to consult on, yes, I have done. I've done done it in a lot of different ways and for, you know, other clients and for myself in different ways. So I'm, I am teaching things that I've done. And I guess um, where the entrepreneur part is interesting is, is, again, I think of like, okay, well, go out and do this thing that if you don't know if you don't know that okay all these things you need to do to build a business all these things you need to do to uh you know establish uh, yourself as a business owner to establish the business legally and uh put these things into place you know bank accounts and logos and branding and phone numbers and you know etc cetera, etc cetera, all this administrative stuff none of that stuff actually makes you any money so do you have a business? Well, you have a business entity maybe, but are you doing business? Are you making money? And, you know, maybe, maybe not, right? So how with with being an entrepreneur, a big part of that is understanding the market and the, the specific piece of the market that you fill. How does your product or service serve the market? What are What gap are you filling for them? Why should they buy it from you as opposed to maybe what's already on the market? And how is that going to allow you to grow or is that going to be the death of your business? That you maybe so uh, another common thing that happens with many businesses and startups is they have an idea about what they want to sell or a product or something and uh, or a service and then they you know, invest a ton of money into building it up and building it up and building it up without actually doing any market testing to see if anybody's willing to buy it. And, or maybe they do. They do like a, you know, like, hey, we're doing a focus group and tell us what you think about this. And, oh, would you buy this? Oh, you would. Okay, great. Yeah, we're going to be rich. And not realizing like, hey, these people are saying they're going to buy it, but they're not actually getting their wallets out and buying it. And there's a big difference between that. And, uh, People who have been in the game for any period of time figure that out. Yeah, people want it when they don't actually have to pay for it. When they're just thinking about buying it, it sounds cool. Yeah, you're their friend. They want to say this looks great and it's awesome. You're doing great. And you're doing a great job. And yeah, they want to support you. 
but do they really actually pull out their credit card and support you? And that's, you know, where the rubber meets the road, where the plastic does. So that's a big, important concept and uh, something I wanted to talk about with you. Now, maybe you're more established, maybe you're already crushing it as an entrepreneur, and that's awesome. If not, I do have some awesome products I'm going to plug right now because why? Because I'm an entrepreneur and I want to sell you stuff. Yeah, I said it. Blatantly, I want to sell you stuff, but only stuff that can really help you. I don't want you to buy stuff just to buy it. Um, I want you to get value out of it, right? So that's part of my marketing is, hey, what is going to serve you the best? Who are my ideal clients? And that changes sometimes over time, right? It also changes um, depending on, you know, I might have several different avatars or ideal clients, depending on which product or service I am pushing at that moment. So my business model with Finder Flow is, uh, I've got the ability to go very wide with uh, with my marketing in the sense that I can um, go into different niches because the flow aspect is something that can be applied to so many different things. And that's what is one of the, the things that excites me so much about flow and flow states is, hey, I could get into flow while playing jujitsu. I could get into flow while playing chess. I could get into flow while running or singing or driving or um, doing business, marketing, you know, there's all these different ways and that's exciting for me personally. So that gets my, that gets me passionate about this. And then I also can look and say, well, okay, you know, um, you know, I'm on Instagram and I'm doing some testing over there and marketing over there. And uh, I, I see all these other people doing things that they flow with. There's this one girl who's a hoop. Um, she does hoops hula hoops and uh, she gets into flow states doing hula hoops i think that's super super cool and so i watched some of her videos and she's talking about you know getting into flow and using one hoop or two hoops and sharing these videos i am you know probably not going to be doing hula hooping anytime soon um although if i saw one maybe i would try to do some of those cool moves that she did i could probably get into flow states relatively quickly because i have a good method for getting into flow states doing practically anything so that is my superpower getting into flow states now am i going to go out and create a video for how to get into flow states with a hula hoop probably not that's not my deal right um but i am good at producing content i am good at producing other you know uh other people's expertise into a program you know i've created content for for schools you know certified by state of california education board i've created content for a music class and uh for you know our company um with uh the, the curriculum that we teach our students for our real estate investors so I've created plenty of content, and I love doing that. It's something that's fun for me. So I might reach out to this hooper or maybe another hooper, and, uh, you know, if she or he has a, a information product that I feel is a good one that can help people get into more flow playing with their hula hoops, then that's something I might want to publish and promote. Why? Because I know there's people out there who love hula hooping and, and would be willing to learn how to do it better and to get in flow states while doing it. And so that would be a part of the market that I might be able to serve if there's a great enough demand. What is the point? Um, the point being, being an entrepreneur, 
you throw a lot of stuff against the wall to see what sticks. And there's, you know, there's parts that maybe you're really good at and parts that maybe you're not good at. And so maybe you have to outsource some of those things that you're not so good at. Maybe you need to build up a team. And I'm going to be talking more about that in upcoming episodes. I do um, have some neat interviews that are lined up. I don't, want to promote them too bad because they're not done or you know I haven't published them as of the time of this recording and I've uh, learned my lesson in the past not to overhype and over promote them until I've done them because <laughs> I don't want to just hype stuff up for no reason and so stay tuned keep checking in there are interviews on this podcast coming up that are with really neat business people people that are entrepreneurs and doing amazing things and I want to share that with you to help you along your path and uh, no matter where you are on your entrepreneurial journey or even if you're not an entrepreneur and you're okay with that, that's okay too. Hopefully you still got some interesting things to think about out of this episode. So that's it for today, friends. I hope you're doing well. Crush it. And until next time, be flowing.